0: Praise the Lord. <laughs> so you can see the team's had a tremendous impact. And I just thank the church for giving. We haven't spent all the money yet. We have purchased the land, I think about two and a half hectares. And that gives a future for the church now. They can grow uh, crops on it for a little while. And uh, so there is a future for the church now. And, uh, we, but the biggest thing is to shift mentalities, train the leaders, and lift them up so they don't think at a poverty level, they think of a big, something big and substantial that can be developed over a period of time. And uh, so we're looking over the course of several years to really help that nation. So next year, we'll send another team over. If you've got a heart to go, start to save up now. Make sure you're involved in the church somewhere and then get saving up now. It will have an impact on you. And uh, I can see the Age of Miracles is not over uh, when we see that Leon has uh, moved from the Exclusive Brethren. He's totally gone over to the far side. And here he is, totally turned, so even his wife doesn't recognize him anymore. <laughs> Fantastic. I want to share with you one verse, and uh, that's all we'll have time for. But uh, I want to share with you something just out of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 29. 1 Samuel 17, verse 29. And it's the situation where David is facing, uh, there's a situation in the nation where the nation is intimidated and shut down virtually by the opposition of Goliath. Goliath is a giant. He represents the Philistine army. He intimidates the whole nation. So the Bible says that God's people were in fear and dismay. They were intimidated. They were not succeeding or going forward, but rather they were in a place where they needed a breakthrough. When we look at our nation, our nation is not unlike that. The church on the the whole is on the back foot. It is not advancing on the whole. And there is a tremendous need for God's people to arise and to make a difference. God has called us. To make a difference in other nations. But firstly, we also need to make a difference where we are. And so David, anointed by the Holy Spirit, a worshiper of God, has it in his heart that he can do something that will make a difference. And God wants to put it into your heart that you and I can make a difference. You and I can do something that will change the lives of people around us and that together we can make a tremendous difference. In verse 29, David was being challenged. His brother was saying to him, well, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Coming down here to the battle, talking about the problems and things, because he sensed David was different. And David answered this. He said this, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason that we should stand up and challenge what is happening? Is there not something going on that you and I shouldn't be concerned about? Isn't there something happening in our nation that defies the God we serve? Shouldn't we as the church be doing something? Is there not a cause, he said. Today we could say the same thing. Is there not a cause, a reason to live for? Friend, you're living for something. You're either living for yourself or something has got a hold of you that is bigger than you. Friend, a cause is something much bigger than us. A cause is something outside us. If you're living just to get a bigger car, a bigger house, a bit more money in the bank, to feel a bit better or more cozy, you are not living for a cause. You are very, very empty as a person. And no matter how new a car that is, it will and can never satisfy. Friend, you and I are designed to live with a mission in our heart. We're designed to live with a cause in our life. Friend, you've called to accomplish something. And the thing that will satisfy us beyond all measure is the cause of Christ. To live, to advance an eternal kingdom, an eternal purpose. To live to advance the life of Jesus Christ and the people of believers. Friend, that is the one cause that no matter where you go in the world, you see all kinds of things, but there's something I see that is exciting. Wherever you go, you see people and they've got a light in their eyes and they're in love with Jesus and they're doing something that does address the issues of poverty, addresses the issues of orphans, addresses the issues of AIDS. Friend, it's our turn as a church to stand up and be counted. It's your turn to rise up and begin to start to become motivated to make a life that is different. You won't make a life that, has a count, that counts for anything unless you choose to live differently. It's a choice. I, was, I got a prophecy. I'm going to get a copy of it and distribute it. It was amazing. I got it on the email last night and it was a, uh, a word from Julie Collins. How many remember Julie? Julie Collins. She wrote to me and she'd had a dream. She said the dream was so strong it disturbed her. And I uh, I read through, and in fact, I got Joy down to have a look. I've emailed it to a few people already. And uh, Julie gets dreams, very prophetic dreams. She said, I saw you standing in front of a group of pastors and leaders, and you were quite disgusted with their condition. And uh, as you talked uh, about the situation, Julie said, I felt like I would try to go in and do something that I could help. But she said, the more I did, the worse it got. And then she said... I saw you turn away from that. And then she said, I saw and heard the voice of God speaking. And she gave me about a number of about six or seven things that God was saying. I can't remember them all because I just got it late last night. And I don't know whether I'm coming or going yet. But this is what she said. She said, the Lord said this to her. This is what she saw in the dream. That every breath that an orphan breathes or a person dying of AIDS breathes, As they die, their last breath is noticed by God. And she said that God is disturbed that the church as a whole is old and irrelevant and is not addressing the issue of what's happening in the world and other nations. As I read through that prophecy, she said she felt God speaking, that he would call the church to begin to address the uh, uh, extensive problem there is in Africa. With literally millions of people dying of AIDS or doomed to die of AIDS, millions of orphans left unhelped, millions of orphans dying, or like Joy was sharing, women dying in a room with no light on a dirt floor with no one to care for them. And friend, the Bible tells us that we are not to live for ourselves, we are to live for another. The Bible says we're not called to live for ourselves, you are not your own, you're bought with a price. We're called to live for another. That's called Jesus Christ. And friend, the same God that you and I stood up today and said, God, we love you. God, we worship you. God, we praise you. That's the same God that a poor orphan who's lost their father and their mother in Africa cries out to, saying, God... Will you provide food for me? Will you provide help for me? And God looks from heaven and he sees the church in New Zealand and in the west and he looks at us worshipping him and he wonders whether we will get a passion and a concern that will make a difference in the lives of people around us. My friend, I tell you, God is challenging the church as never before, not to turn a deaf ear to the cries of the needy, not to turn a deaf ear to the people even in our own area, but rather to start to be stirred to live for a cause to live for the cause of Jesus Christ this is what Jesus said he said as the father sent me John 20 21 I send you Jesus was a man with a mission now when you think missionary you tend to think of someone gone off to some foreign land but really a missionary is not that old concept you got to get out of that it's an unworkable thing an old concept that died years ago and people are still trying to prop it up Friend, modern missions involves a whole different thing. It involves not just teaching the church how to come to Christ and teach them how to get filled with the Spirit. It's helping them financially. It's helping them get up out of the dust so they can do something to help themselves. It's actually businessmen getting involved and fulfilling their calling, helping business people and helping people get into into the things, the giftings God has given them. It's nurses training others so they can do the job. It's teachers helping others so they can become teachers it is everyone in the body of christ starting to live for a cause the cause of christ friend god has called you he chose you everyone in this room here you didn't just come here jesus said john 15 16 you didn't choose me i chose you i reached out from all the crowds i could have and i put my hand said that one will belong to me The second thing the Bible tells us is Jesus has sent us. There's not one person here God hasn't sent. To be sent is what a missionary is. A person who's sent with a cause, a mission, a mission, something to do, something to accomplish. Friend, you're not here. I'm not here in Hastings because this is the best place that I would live. I'm here because God sent me here. You're here because he sent you here. You're in the place in the community you are because God sent you there. You're in business because God put you there. You're a teacher. God put you there. You're in a neighborhood. God put you there. God sent you. You're God's man. You're God's woman. You are to represent Him. You have an assignment from God. But the church has forgotten its assignment. It's forgotten what we're called to do and called to be. The church in the West sits back. They're more concerned about being blessed. But friend, we're not here just to be blessed. We're here to become something for the community we live in. We're here to become something to the nations of the world. I will bless you, and you will become a blessing. But on the whole, the church in the West has not become a blessing. It's actually even in its aid. We looked and talked about the American aid. Now, the Americans are very generous people. But make no doubt about it, the generosity's got a hook. Generosity's got a hook. And I told our guys and I told John, I said, we're not here to be your bank. We are not here just to dish out money. I said we've got to believe for every dollar and we're going to account for every dollar. I said we're not here to be your bank. What we're here to do is to help you break out of the mentality. That you are dependent on someone else to come through for you. And to co- we want to come alongside you and lift you up. Because if we just give you a lot of money, you will become a dependent. You'll have a mentality. We're, you're poor. We're rich. And you'll want us to be an endless supply. But it's not going to be that way. That is not God's plan. God's plan is that we help you to come up so you can look after yourselves. To help you get into business. For $2,000, you can get someone into business. They can supply it for themselves, and they can give to the local church. You see, this is the trend. See, missions is altered. The whole face of it is altered now. God wants you and I to come on board. Every person, God has called you. God has sent you. He has sent you to a place and a people. There's someone you can reach. I'll never reach. There's someone you can touch, I'll never touch. Maybe they're in your school. Maybe they're in your own classroom. But God sent you there to make a difference. You are a person with a mission and you've got to discover what it is. It's unique for you. Absolutely unique for you. When God put you in that school, he put you there with an assignment. And the only one that can tell you your assignment and how to fulfill it is God himself. Friend, God is shifting the church. The church for years has had a mentality, church is meeting on Sunday and having a meeting on the week. Friend, church is about advancing the kingdom. Church is about you and I making a difference in the lives of others. Church is about you and I living for a cause, feeling and knowing I am not here because I want to be necessarily, I'm here because I am sent by God. I am sent because he knows I can do something here. He knows I've got something to give him. He knows I've got what it takes to make a difference. Friend, you and I have got to understand. God has called us. God has sent us. God has an assignment for every one of us to represent Him and to do something that makes a difference. You don't have to copy someone else. You've got to discover what that is. Friend, here's the other thing. Wherever God sent you, whatever He wants you to do, He'll resource it. If you're doing something else, He won't necessarily resource that. But if you're doing what God called you to do, He'll resource it. I have seen people, and they said, I don't know how I can get money for a missions trip. And then they go. And God provided Bill, every year, sacrificially gives to go into mission. Sacrificially gives. His time, his life, it's not easy for him. And yet, every year, the call of God's still there to go. Hallelujah. 100 plus trips into China. But you and I are all called to go through those doors there. And that's where the church has got to become the church. That's where you have got to make a clear stand for the cause of Christ. A commitment to him and a commitment to what he wants to do. Now it doesn't mean everyone preaches, it means what God has put inside you, give yourself to it, and begin to expect God's blessing to help you make a difference in the life of someone. Friend, every one of us, called by God, we are chosen, every one of us has been sent by God to a place and a people, it's this place, this people, in this city, and beyond the city, that's the vision we have. When every one of us has been given an assignment. Every one of us has got something to do for the cause of Christ. The big question is whether you'll accept your assignment. Friend, God will resource that assignment. He will provide what you need. But friend, one of the things you've got to do is you have to keep your mission in mind. With Navy SEALs, the one thing they ask them over and over again, what is your mission? What is your mission? And they always give an answer. Something like this. Sir, save souls, sir. They know exactly what they're called to do. You have to know exactly why you're there or you will be lost in a meaningless existence in our society and culture. We are here to start to touch and influence lives. When I talked to a businessman, I was amazed. His thinking, was, it was just so up with where we are and yet beyond it in some ways he's out there doing it he's gone out there into nations set up businesses got people going but he's worked alongside them and lifted them up oh there's a place for everyone there's a place for everyone there isn't anyone that god doesn't have an assignment for but the question is whether you commit your life to christ and whether you embrace what god called you to do what is your mission what is your mission? If you have no clarity, it's time to get before God and say, Why did you put me in this neighborhood? Why did you put me in that school? Why did you put me? It's more than just earn a living. It's more than just make money. It's more than just get a degree. It's more than pass just a school. It's to have, a di- make a difference, have an impact. The question is whether you will embrace and live for a cause. Will you be a person who burns with a cause? And I tell you, one of the great things about going onto these missions trips is after you've been there, something changes in you. You can never be the same. When you've stood in a hut with someone dying, and there's a dirt floor, dirt walls, no light, and there they're all on their own. There's no medicines can help them. No one can save them except God himself. Well, soon they're about to depart from this life, and God's watching it all. And you stand there and remember, how easy it is to live life in the West, all that you have, and here they have so much, and God calls us to make a difference, So, church we're going to make a difference, in Uganda a major difference, we're going to affect thousands of lives, not only in Uganda but beyond over the next decade, we will invest to help with the development of the property, but I will expect them to rise up to a different level all the way, we've got a hold of a piece of land that will grow in value, it's got a Golf course on one side, it'll have a hotel and other things on the other side. Businessmen all agreed, great investment, so we bought it. And it isn't ours, it's theirs. And Everything will be theirs. But we want to help them up. But what about out here? See, that's where most of us live most of our life most of the time. Will you live for the cause of Christ? Father, we just bow our heads in a deep gratitude because of what you did to save us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ by which we are saved. Not a light price, but a most extraordinarily expensive price you paid in order that you might save us, redeem us, bless us, help us. Lord, help us never to forget that daily you load us with benefits and blessings. Help us never to forget the wonderful way you have enriched our lives. Father, put a... Fire inside our hearts that you that we might live for the cause of Jesus Christ. That in this nation called New Zealand, in the city called Hastings or Napier or Hawke's Bay, we would burn with a passion and a zeal for Jesus. Burn with a love for Him and a love for people. Burn with a sense of mission. I'm here to make a difference. Holy Ghost. In these next weeks impart into the church a fiery sense of mission to our own community. A fiery desire to change the lives of people who dwell carelessly and will burn in hell for eternity. Give us a fiery desire to challenge lukewarm Christians who are living in compromise. An excuse for the people in the community to mock the church. My God, let fire burn in this place. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Can you say amen today? Will you say amen? Come on, let's stand. Let's give the Lord a great clap today.